for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbour in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorstops and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord, for I pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals, on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The word of the Lord. A reading from 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, 
Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was, who was going to betray him. And for this reason, Jesus said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and returned to the table. And he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, a lamb of your own fold, a sheep of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This reading from John is unique. We don't have it in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We don't have the story of foot washing in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And please notice actually what's interesting about it. They're well into the meal when Jesus notices his friends have this need. That's actually kind of extraordinary. Normally, you would expect, we try this in my household with very mixed results, wash your hands before dinner. I don't need to. That's often what we hear. Before dinner. But here they are, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle of the Last Supper, and Jesus looks down and he sees this need. And the story goes on from there that Jesus does for his disciples what most scholars will tell you, uh, you could not require a slave to do for you. You could not require a slave to wash the feet of somebody not in their household, possibly not even to wash your own feet, depending who you read, but that's out there. Jesus does this, this, this act of debasement because he sees a need right then and right there. And then he goes on to teach them about it. Right? He says, and this is why it's called Maundy Thursday from the Latin mandate, a new command, a new mandate I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. When you see a need for somebody else, meet it in the middle of what you're all doing together. He goes on to say, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. I actually think those two different phrases 
are getting us toward the same idea, that is, what it means to love in this new and radical way. So more about the first idea, if I can. You know, we've been around, most of us have been around small children or absent-minded folks. When children are really small, we realize that they can't take care of their own needs. So it's really not a big deal to clean a diaper for a six-month-old baby. When that baby is 16, <laughs> cleaning the diaper becomes really much different, doesn't it? Because we all have in our minds that little phrase, which is in some, in most cases, very warranted. The child really should know how to help himself. The child ought to know how to help herself. Those people with those dirty feet ought to have known and taken care of them. I told this in a sermon a couple of weeks ago. You can go to Palestine today and you will see, much like in Appalachia, people put their trash in their yard. My head says, those people ought to know how to help themselves. They're grown-ups. Maybe you're not like me, but sometimes, sometimes when I see the same person with the cardboard sign over and over and over again, day after day, week after week, the thought occurs to me, those people ought to know how to help themselves. What's interesting is that I have in rare occasion decided I will help them. I will clean my teenager's room. I will give that handout. I will go to Appalachia for a week and pick up the trash. But it never comes without a lecture. I'm doing this because I love you and you should take better care of yourself. I'm doing this because I care and I can't believe you live in this filth and squalor. This is not the mandate that Jesus gives us tonight. It is not. Because we've been talking about forgiveness all that long, I just kind of can't resist telling you some research that I read the other day that's very related to forgiveness, and it has to do with apologies. It says the reason that people don't give apologies in general is because when we did them as children, when we said, I'm sorry, the adult we apologized to said, thanks, and never do it again, because it's really bad. And the thing that we never did or God was, I really appreciate your apology, period. This, I think, is what Jesus is really asking us to consider. He's asking us to look in the middle of what we're doing, whether it's dinner or driving or church or whatever it is, and should we happen to see somebody who has a need that maybe they don't even know about, to think, could I meet that need for them? Could I? 
And could I do it not to teach them or scold them, but could I do it because I see they're in need and I can do something about it? Easier than it sounds, isn't it? That would mean really we really would have to love the other person in some ways more than we love ourselves. I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do. And the reason I mentioned the sign about forgiveness, I think, is because we have a lot of forgiveness yet to give. Maybe, and I'll just talk about myself, sometimes I need to forgive people for being poor. Sometimes I need to forgive people for being uneducated. Sometimes I need to forgive people because they, in moments of doubt, do not double their work efforts like I do. And you see that forgiveness is exactly the same thing I think Jesus is saying as loving them, as loving them. Now all of this I think becomes all the more important because Jesus doesn't do this on a hillside, he does it with his best friends. And please notice he knows Judas is going to betray him. He knows it. And he looks at Judas's feet and he sees that they're dirty and he thinks I could do something about that right now. And he does. I don't know if I'm ready to be that big of a human being, but I know that's who Jesus is asking me to be. And I know that it matters all the more, not only because he washes the feet of someone he knows he was going to betray him, but because he washes it on this night. He washes it on this night, the night of the Last Supper. This is the middle of the dinner in which, like all significant festival dinners, Everybody drinks out of the same cup. They'd been doing that for a thousand years before Jesus, holding up a silver cup with wine in it and everybody drinking some. And they'd been breaking bread and each taking a piece of the same bread for a thousand years before Jesus. That stuff's not new. That's why we had the Passover reading today. Moshe, Moses is commanded to do this every year. Passover is the highlight of the Jewish faith because God has passed over the people. He's not visited upon them the plagues that came ultimately to Pharaoh because he was a tyrant. In the middle of that, you know, and of course the original meal, which some of us celebrated last night here in Christ Hall, the reason for that Passover meal was not because the people were bad and they needed the lamb's blood to take their place. The meal was not because they were awful people and God demanded something get killed and a lamb is better than a person. The Passover happened because lamb has a lot of calories in it. It has a lot of energy. And the next day they were leaving Egypt. They were going to be doing a lot of walking. And in the Passover meal, the original one, they ate it so that they could follow God out of bondage. And don't you see, in order to love one another as Jesus is asking us to, we sure need a lot of energy. Lot. And I don't just mean caloric intake for our bodies. I'm confident we need that energy in our spirits. Which is why we come to the table every week. 
We come to the table every week because we come to it tonight. We come to it every week because tonight Jesus picks up the wine and he says, this wine that we're grateful for, I want you to remember every time you drink wine, which by the way is every day multiple times back then, I want you to remember every time this stuff touches your mouth, my life, my life, and I want you to be energized by the way we've lived together so that you can live that way when I'm gone. Every time you eat this bread, back then that was 90% of your diet every day, a two-pound loaf of bread every day is what you'd expect to eat as an adult, two pounds. Every time you eat that bread, I want you to be energized by my body. I want you to do it with me tonight so that you remember to do it when I'm gone. Because loving each other this way is exhausting. And you will need energy for your body and spirit to do it. And I will provide it for you at this table. And then, of course, I think there's the important thing to remember about Passover. In the original story, the angel of death passes over the Hebrew people. But there are people then and now for whom the angel of death does not seem to be passing over. There are people, frankly, who could use the angel of life. This is one of the powerful things you've helped a small group of us do today. Five of us went today and took 90 pairs of shoes you put together, 90 pairs, which is incredible. We went to a ministry for chronically homeless men and women. These are men and women who live all over the Houston area and they find a way to get to this place on Tuesdays and Thursdays because they'll get two meals. They'll get haircuts by students at a barber college. They'll get connected with resources and mostly they can come to a place indoor, indoors and sit for several hours with their people. And so we went up there <laughs> with 90 pairs of shoes, 90 pairs of shoes. And we set down our little bins, five little bins, and we said, you know, today's Monday Thursday and this is a way we want to show you dignity and care and you don't even know us. You don't, but we would love to wash your feet with some nice-smelling rose water. We'd love to pray for you. A couple people came up. <laughs> Each of us got to wash at least one person's feet. 10% of the population came up. It's different washing feet of somebody you don't know, especially when you know all the prejudice you have about their situation. That's different. It's different when you ask if you can pray for somebody who you know you're helping and they ask if they can pray for you. That's different. It's different trying to do this thing, which is frankly kind of weird, isn't it? Washing somebody's feet as if that's really the biggest thing we need. Kind of weird to do that. 
for people who have been passed over. And when I was 21, I went to seminary. <laughs> I was full of life experience. And I got this thing called supervised ministry that they called S&M. And they put me, um, at the age of 21, I went to a good Baptist college in a dry county. They put me in a place called the Carpenter's House in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a drug inpatient rehab facility for black men who were addicted to crack cocaine. And there was 21-year-old me. I'd never seen alcohol at my college. It was a dry county. I wasn't even really sure how you spelled crack. I'd certainly never seen it. And there I was. And they told me, they said, we want you to be a good chaplain and minister to these people. And I said, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, well, we wouldn't want to confine your ministry by giving you goals or anything. Just, just go and minister. I went and sat and listened to these meetings and didn't say anything for a year. I sat and listened to people who were doing their first out of their 12 steps. They spent three months on their first step. The one that says, we admitted that our lives had become completely out of control. And we turned them over to a higher power. I listened to people's rock bottoms. And they would say things like, oh, when I was in a restaurant and the drug dealer came and put a gun to my head in front of my children. And then I ran out the door because it didn't go out. And that wasn't it. That wasn't their rock bottom. I just sat and listened. And I went to chapel. And I didn't dare to leave that. As if I knew anything, you know. And these men, they sang this song that's not in the hymnal. It's a Fanny Crosby song. I grew up Baptist, so I know Fanny Crosby. I have a real affinity with it. And they would sing it, and I would listen, and I'd almost just cry listening to them. And it was their, it was their anthem. It was the thing they'd sing every single week. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. And that was their experience. They had been passed by day after day and year after year by the angel of life. And I am convinced that the reason we wash our feet and the reason we do it at God's table in the same night is that God would not have us pass over people anymore. God would have us look at one another and say, those feet are dirty, and I can do something about it, and I will. Take it how you will, it's a gift I give. And I am certain we do it on this night, because God would love would love for us to all sit at the same table and enjoy each other's company. And if it takes 
washing somebody's feet so that we can enjoy them, we'd better do it. And if it takes washing somebody's feet so that they can enjoy us, we had better do it. And if we wonder why it is that only nine people out of a hundred want their feet washed, of course we have to remember they have no reason to trust us either. Because they've been passed over. And this is our call. And it's safe to do it in this room because in general we sure know each other, don't we? Or we know enough about each other. I know that's why we practice washing our feet, not because you need it, but so that we can practice in a safe environment. We can get down with people that we know are not going to say, oh, your feet are terrible. Nobody's going to say that, I promise. I'll excommunicate them. <laughs> the prayer book lets me. <laughs> no, I think that's why we do it in here. Because as silly as it is, it is a way of being vulnerable to each other and trusting each other and being kind. And golly, I sure need more practice with that. And that practice is holy, so we can do it here. And that practice, friends, needs the energy that only God can provide. So when you drink this wine, be filled with Christ's life, not his death. Be filled with his life. And when you eat this bread, be filled with Christ's body so that the time we spend together, we can go out and not only pass over each other no longer, but pass by the life of Christ to a world deeply in need of it.